Church, Andover Campus, in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Is there anyone in here that actually is a fan of coffee? Anybody? Raise your hand. You're, you're in a safe place, okay? So for those, my name is Brian. Oh, wait, Siri just activated right now and asked, asked me questions. Anyway, but I love coffee. And so, you, you know, I, I, it's one of those things like if you spend more than five minutes with me, I'm probably going to find a way to slip the, this little tidbit of information that I just love coffee so much. Chad, I hear you rolling your eyes. Okay, so... <laughs> But some of you know that I'm passionate about coffee. I really enjoy it. So if you were to come to our home, if you walk in our door, you'll see greeting you as you walk in this door, this display from Hobby Lobby that has like these baskets. And inside of these baskets are green coffee beans because I roast coffee. I like fresh, fresh coffee. So I do this. It's a little hobby. And below that little, can you tell I'm a little obsessed? I really like it. I get excited about it. It's fun. Uh, and so but below these, these baskets with these green coffee beans are the, is this bar that ha- has these hooks on it. And hanging on these hooks are all of my coffee mugs that I find really important, that I really, really like. They're special to me. Now, we do have other coffee mugs that are hidden in the cupboards, but these are the ones that are on display. And I really just, I really like the stories behind them. Like, for instance, we have this one coffee cup that's from Nashville. And Nashville, it's a pretty touristy kind of place, right? Uh, And this coffee cup is a touristy coffee cup, okay? And it's just all black, and it has a little bit of the Nashville little whatever swirl things on it with a guitar and the words Nashville on it. But the reason I display it is because it reminds me of a time that I got to take this trip with this family to help a student pick out a guitar, his forever guitar. His family just wanted to have a great experience uh, doing that together. And I wanted to commemorate that experience that I got to have with them by buying something that was useful like a coffee mug. Or when we moved into uh, Callis Village over there at Asbury this past year, we moved next door to this couple. uh, And this couple, the, the wife had just started making pottery. And so as she was doing this kind of thing and she was growing, she started selling her pottery. And I'm like, well, I want to remember them because they were so welcoming and loving towards us as we came into this new phase of life. And so it's displayed. Uh, and then I have coffee cups from some of my former students displaying their, their emblems from whatever college or university that they're going to. And so every time I have coffee in that cup, I have the opportunity to say, God, thank you so much for the experience that I've had with them. But my favorite piece of pottery has to be this bowl right here. I'm going to be careful not to drop it because it's my favorite, okay? So (laughs) this was a gift given to my wife Cassidy and I right after our son was born. By, by two of our dear friends, Katie and Cameron Winton, they're sisters, and we worked together at, uh, at church in Panama City Beach, uh, and they brought it to us, and this bowl was used as the baptismal bowl to hold the water for my son, Isaac, and later on, Adeline. This bowl is dear to me. It has a story, and I love that about that. 
And so whatever, I couldn't tell you things about this bowl, like what it actually would take to make this bowl. I couldn't tell you the dirt to water ratio. I couldn't tell you like the temperature of the kiln needed to fire this thing. I couldn't tell you how in the world they got these beautiful colors in there or the, the, the coating on there. I can't tell you those things. But what I can tell you is that it's special to me. You know what else? I, I do wonder something. I wonder if this bowl from the very beginning was actually meant by the potter to actually be a bowl. I kind of wonder that because I was thinking like, you know, if, if there was this clay that was actually supposed to be a saucer, right? Something a little bit smaller. And then as the potter was working it, realized that, that there needed to be some more clay because there was a weakness or something. And so something bigger had to be made. Or maybe, you know, it, it, it began to just do some artisanal work or whatever and actually, you know, mold things and the, the cups started to turn one way and, and the potter realized that they had to actually mold it into something different. You know, many times that's kind of how our life works, isn't it? Like we have these, we intend to go one direction, and then something happens and our course is altered, right? Circumstances happen that influence our lives and they seem to just have a direct impact on who we are becoming. I mean, for instance, life stages, right? Like, you know, going to kindergarten for the first time as a child or going to middle school in those uh, very interesting years or getting married or choosing singleness or getting our first big job. Those are some pretty big things that kind of have a bearing on the course and the direction that our lives take. You know, tragedy has a way of doing that. For me, tragedy hit me as a young child of age 10 when I lost my father in a car accident. And, and from the age 10 on, I, I went through life in these very interesting years without a dad. Try to navigate some of the most formative years in my life. And all of a sudden, my 10-year-old life got flipped upside down. And I stopped seeing the world as a safe, secure place. Tragedy has a tendency to do that, to change and alter us, right? You may have experienced losing a job before and wondering where the next paycheck is coming from. Or you may have stood... You may have experienced someone who stood at the altar and said, I will love you till death do we part, and later find out that they no longer love you. You may have all kinds of circumstances come up in your life, but every scenario and every circumstance brings about the inevitability that there's going to be some sort of influence on the direction. Sometimes we even allow tragedy to, to change and shape us so much so that we run away from God. There are other times that when, when we slowly just wander away and we start taking just steps away from God, not even maybe realizing it, and then all of a sudden we look up and realize there's, we're on a different landscape altogether and we're lost. You know, whether it's by circumstances or by our choosing, the question is what are we going to do when we recognize that we're not where we're supposed to be? What are we going to do when we realize that we're going the wrong direction? Over the past few weeks, we've been talking through Jeremiah and studying this series, Torn Down or Built Up. And Jeremiah is warning Israel that God is preparing to punish them for going the wrong direction and turning away from him. So Jeremiah 18, God tells Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. The potter's house, it had to actually be close to a source of clay, and it had to be close to a source of water. 
And so it needed space for a potter's wheel, a kiln, a place to throw away and discard pottery that was no longer useful. It needed a place for storing vessels that, was, that were finished. And God takes Jeremiah there for a little object lesson. See, the potter is shaping a vessel and of some kind on the potter's wheel. And there are two kinds of potter's wheels. There's a slow one that is done to hand-turned. And then there's a much larger one or a faster one that uses a kick wheel and it's rotated by kicking the foot. And the potter shaped the clay vessel by hand on the smaller revolving stone that was on top. The lower stone actually provided momentum and quickened the turning. So this potter, as he's doing this with his foot, it's created this centrifugal motion, this force on the clay, which was shaped by the potter's hands as he exerted force against it. So it would do this momentum and shape it. So as the potter is doing this, Jeremiah noticed something about his practice. Verse 4 says, The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. Now I have no idea what this means. I have no idea whether or not it means that there was some weakness in the clay and, and it was spoiled or whether the mixture wasn't totally right and instead of whatever the potter was intending just went a different direction. But something about what the potter did next caught Jeremiah's eye. Check out the rest of verse 4. It says, He reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Think about that. He reworked it. Like, why not throw it in the trash pile? Like, just throw it out, start all over, get another piece of clay. Well, God was sharing something with Jeremiah about God's character. See, God's character, it does not default to rejection. Hear me. God's character does not default to to rejection. He doesn't look at people, throw his hands up and say, well, they've done it. I'm through. Start all over. That's, that's, but that's the image a lot of us, I think, have in our minds when it comes to God, that, that if we mess up, if we do something wrong, God's just going to throw us away. He's done with us. He's going to smite us, and we're through. We're going to be left to pick up these pieces all to ourselves. But according to verse 4 and the rest of God's word, that's not God's primary response to our flawedness. See, God's primary nature and concern is the redemption of humanity, corporately and individually. I mean, what would God be redeeming if something wasn't broken? That's why God highlighted this characteristic through the image of the potter reworking the creation. Jeremiah recognized something. He recognized that God's sovereignty was tempered by his mercy and his patience. As the potter carefully reworks the clay to achieve the desired result, so God does not easily give up on us when we fail him. You know, I'm astounded by the care and the love that, that God the Father, the potter, would grace us enough to use his hands to touch our lives to with his divine will. See, God is intimately involved with all of creation. Through our circumstances, God is molding. Through our decisions, God is fashioning us. And no matter what situations we faced, we are given the opportunity to put ourselves, put our lives, put our everything into the potter's hands so that he can make something 
good. I think one of the most miraculous things about God is that he can take our hurts, but he also can take our failures and he can make something beautiful. As his creation, God entrusts us with his free will. The free will is that centrifugal force exerted by the spinning of the clay against the potter's hands as the will is turned. See, how we use our God-given free will, it has an effect on the story that God tells through our lives. We have a part to play. God invokes his sovereignty and works with our free will to achieve a beautiful masterpiece. And this is where in God's hands, tragedy is no longer a blemish. It's a uniqueness. The flaws of sin, they become redeemed and covered over. But is it just that easy? I wonder, do we just use our free will to get rid of, God's, uh, to get rid of our evil's ways and turn back to God? Is, is that where we're here to engage in? I mean, obviously repentance is part of the gospel story. We have a part to play. But this isn't just a sermon or a teaching about, about turning our morals and getting them right. I think there's a step that we must look at and we must realize when we've lost our way and are no longer in God's will. And the crux of this, I think, comes in verse 11. Check it out. It says in one translation, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. I love that word, return, right? In order to return, it means that you're not currently at the location that you're supposed to go back to. It also means that you have a destination in mind and that you've been there before. You don't just return somewhere that you've never been before, right? In this passage, God is inviting his people to return to him. And that means that once they were with God, they were enjoying his righteous path, and it means that they, were, they knew the place that they were supposed to be. However, God's will is no longer the location that the people of Israel find themselves in. They've drifted away. They've forgotten their love for God who is holy and righteous and good. But here's the deal. The people, they still have a destination to which they can go. God has not abandoned them. He still cries out for his people to come back to him. He still gives them the opportunity to turn away from the direction that they are going and be redeemed from their wicked ways. And the same is true for us when we can actually be reworked when we return to God. We can be reworked when we return to God. And I think each one of us has to ask the question, where are we in relation to the potter's wheel? If you are in the story, where where are you? If we can be reworked when we return to God, how willing and available are we to what God wants to do in our lives? Now you may say, well, Brian, I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. I'm up on the potter's will. I'm being shaped and molded by every circumstance. I am his, I am surrendered. And I love that. I'm, I will be honest with you, all of us have an opportunity to do that no matter where we are in our walks with the Lord. Are you just looking at the potter's wheel? Are you off the potter's wheel and you're looking at it going, huh, I'm really not sure about I want to get up there because I'm not sure what that means, what God's going to do. 
I don't know about you, sometimes I can be a little fearful about handing over things and aspects of my life to God. Is God going to ask me to give something up? Is he going to change something? You know, are we thinking, sometimes we feel like, you know, we've done too much or we've been places that there's no hope for us. There's no place, there's no coming back. There's, we are too far out of God's reach. I want to offer you an invitation this morning to return. Return to the potter's wheel. Return to the potter's wheel so that he can rework and do the reworking that he wants to do in your life. Humbly approach your heavenly father. He is good. You can trust your father. You are a masterpiece that is, that is dear to his heart. We can be reworked when we return to God. You know, our lives can end up pretty crazy depending upon things that have been thrust upon us through tragedies or we can find ourselves wandering, right? All of us from time to time, we end up float, flawed and broken and hurt and, and we can even wonder, what could God possibly do? and Why would he want anything to do with me? Thankfully, we serve a God that reworks us as we keep on returning to him. So I invite you today, no matter where you are, whether you find yourself on the potter's wheel surrendered, or whether you find yourself not there yet, or whether you feel like you're in the scrap pile, would you, would you turn your heart and your mind to the potter? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that your arms are waiting open, ready to receive us, Lord, as the, the good Father who loves his creation. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be humble. Help us to seek your divine will, Lord. You are good. You are sovereign. And Lord, you want to work through us. You want to work in us. So God, help us. Help us to have the courage to surrender to you today, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.